Did you know that 95% of our life is operated by the subconscious mind? What that means is that most of the actions, emotions, behaviors that you're driven by depend on 95% of what lies beyond consciousness. My guest Kara Payton and I chat on the podcast today about her journey of climbing to the top to only realize she's been living the life that didn't feel like it was designed by her or for her. And today she will share with us how she overcame to live a life of fulfillment. Kara is a published author, speaker, nervous system and subconscious reprogramming expert known as the nervous system antihero. She helps women overcome anxiety, overwhelm and self-doubt to increase their income, productivity and confidence. You're listening to Feel Better, Be Better, a podcast that helps women like you understand your female body better, balance your hormones naturally and develop a healthy mindset. I'm your host, Dinara. I'm a certified women's health coach and a TEDx speaker. Let's dive in. Oh, and welcome back to another episode of Feel Better, Be Better. I am super excited because I've got a very exciting guest on today. I'm going to keep it a little secret as to some of the stuff that she's been doing. But to start off, her name is Kara, and I'm going to let her introduce herself in a bit more detail. And today we're going to chat about authenticity. We're going to talk about nervous system. We're going to talk about subconscious programming. I think you're going to really enjoy this conversation. So without further ado, welcome, Kara. How are you? I'm doing very well. Thank you, Janara. Thanks for having me today. I'm so excited to have you on. One of the things that I'd like to start off with is just to get an understanding of how did you begin in this wellness journey? Who is Kara? Tell us a little bit about your story and how did you how did you get where you are? A lot of trial and a lot of challenge and a lot of detours and a lot of dead ends in short. Just like I mean, just like anybody getting anywhere in life, it requires that the figuring out and the unshelling of the old and recreating the new, but it's never a a smooth process and mine's no exception. My wellness journey started with kind of what I would call a life crisis. I had climbed the ladder of all the things that I thought were going to make life make sense to me and make it make better. And I had all the check boxes. I had, you know, was hitting six figures and my home was beautiful. I had a, had the Mercedes. I had the status. I had the accolades. I had the the marriage. I had this tiny, you know, white picket fence, perfect life. And all of a sudden, one day, walked in and realized I didn't feel like I was in my life. It felt like I was faking everything. And it finally became very clear that the life that I had built was someone else's design for me. It was somebody, it was what I assumed would make me acceptable, approved of. This is what I attributed this was supposed to make me fulfilled. This was supposed to all make me happy. And so this one day coming, all of that coming apart at the seams and realized I did everything I was supposed to do. I checked off all the boxes. I'm unhappy, Mm -hmm. unhappy in my body, unhappy in my home, unhappy in my relationship, everything. I didn't even feel like I was really showing up as a mother. And this moment was very, very hollowing, very traumatic to actually realize, oh God, you know, 
what next? Because there's no more boxes to check. There's no more hiding to do. And a lot of times that's where we get really uncomfortable is when we can no longer hide from something, mm. we have to face it. And that facing it is probably one of the most uncomfortable life experiences we all go through. It's when we realize, oh God, this relationship doesn't work. This thing that I've been avoiding doing or facing or quitting or starting is now right in front of me and there's no other numbing or distracting or avoiding that's left to do. And so I, you know, I cried out in to the universe, to God. You know, I was a very, very heavy churchgoer in the religion. I, I clocked in, I showed up, I clocked in, I clocked out. I was doing that stuff, but it, I was praying scripts mm-hmm. and Bible verses and I wasn't praying from me. And so this was the first time I prayed from the pit of my very unhappy soul to God and said, if this is all there is to life, please let me be happy with this. Please let me have peace because this whole thing has been trying to attain that. But then I gave the caveat, if this is not all there is, please break me open and show me what I'm missing because I can't, I can't live like this anymore. I feel like I've been climbing and running forever just to get here and realized I'm nowhere. I, I don't even enjoy the view. You can climb the mountain, get to the very top and realize you're numb by the time you're looking down at the view. So Tony Robbins very quickly came into my life after that. I love that name. <laughs> yes, I love that man. That was probably one of the best chapters of my entire life. It swept me off my feet, just like life romance, where Mm-mm. all of a sudden the questions that I had, these big life questions that I've been asking myself since I was six years old, five or six years old in my dad's garage, you know, having these big life conversations. And I would ask him questions that he would even say later on in life, you asked massive questions that could not be answered with where I was in my own life. And Tony asks those questions. That world asks those, the speakers he has on his stage, the volunteers, the staff, they're all asking these same questions. And I felt like I was home in a family of people that are big thinkers that want to live big lives and are participating in an event at first. And then I volunteered through events. I signed up for his master university, which is, you know, life and wealth mastery date with destiny, UPW business. It's all of it. Mm -hmm. And for several years, I toured with him and volunteered at these events and then was offered a staff position that unfortunately would have taken me to Singapore and had me traveling outside of the country for three weeks out of the month. Mm-hmm. With three kids, you know, that the conflict there is is obvious. So I parted ways, but started my own thing um, involving not only the mindset and the thought piece that stays in our head that Tony teaches so well, but the emotional component, the spiritual component, the somatic component, the the healing modality that is in the 80% of the work is what is stored in the body. And mm-hmm. so then it kind of blended with the neuroscience of everything and before I knew it, the unshakable woman method was created without even, it was, I was using it on me first. I had no desire or knowledge or anything that I was going to end up being and doing what I do now and teaching this method to others. But alas, here we are on your podcast talking about exactly that. <laughs> that is so incredible. And there's so much that you said that I want to double tap on. And specifically, I think some of the things that and first of all, I appreciate the visuals of it just because it, it really does paint the picture. When you say you've been asking big questions and the stuff that was quite large, can you give us some of the examples? What are the things that 
were you so curious to look, I guess, to see the bigger picture? What are some of those questions? Actually, I'll never forget a loop. I'd love to share this loop because it was very, I remember being really incredibly young to have mm -hmm. some sort of, to have this spiral play in my head and realize that the depth, you know, looking back in my 30s, looking back to this child and thinking about what, what soul was gifted her to have that type of questioning go in her head at that age, I remember thinking the question of, it was the question of eternity and foreverness. Foreverness, but, you know, where we think of God and life and eternity and heaven and that, and just how it goes so, so deeply into a positive thing, but it almost satiates you. Like forever of perfection, forever of no life experience of the contrast, the just God being only love, only positive, only perfection, only all of it. I attributed heaven with this perfect day-to-day -day endless loop of no challenge, no trial, no contrast, no negative, et cetera. And I remember thinking, I don't want that. Mm -hmm. But then on the opposite of like, we go on forever, we go on forever, we exist forever and feeling kind of exhausted at the idea of existing forever. And a little girl, you know, thinking, I don't want to exist forever. That would be exhausting. I don't want to exist forever in heaven. Where's the end to that? And then I remember thinking the opposite of what if I, and then so this is where the loop started is, what if I never existed and nothing ever existed forever and ever and ever for all eternity as well? That nothingness for eternity. And that was the loop of, if I didn't exist and nothing ever existed forever, never had ever existed. And I just remember playing that on loop like, oh my God, that emptying. And then that is where I kind of, without realizing it, stumbled upon the concept of the experience of life and the human condition of we, we exist with source, with universe, connected to God in such direct form, that bliss, perfection. But as human beings, we don't want to experience that satiation forever and be perfect and nothing ever challenging that. So we come down into the imperfect world in our life experience to experience life and the contrast and the changes and the ever, you know, sometimes the chaos and then the bliss, brief moments of bliss and the glimpses of different unshellings of truth and what used to be true and what's even truer than true. This whole beautiful experience of sensory overload in whatever capacity we choose to experience in life, I remember thinking, that's why God created us, this experience of life. And my God, the further we go away from it, we have total free will of how little of God we experience and how much of God we experience. And if we move away, that's kind of the health, health state that people talk about. And that heaven is when we are fully in alignment with that. And that occurred to me when I was single digits in years. And that's when it occurred to me really like, okay, you've got, you've got other things ahead. You can't just go get a job <laughs> and do what everybody else. Like, you have to help people understand the and isolate them with their human experience and get them empowered to understand they have absolute autonomy over the life that they lead. And if they can play with that and get outside of the, the default where we're playing it almost in first person, where we don't realize that this is all just a huge experience that we're meant to 
we're meant to play with, we're meant to design, we're meant to change and shift and adapt and adjust and evolve. And helping people kind of almost pluck themselves out of their skin suit <laughs> and really get more, have more power over their journey. Like yep. that, I, that's, having people wake up and look up, that's, I can't think of a more fulfilling way to live. Yeah, I love that. And also it comes down to, as we sort of think about the concept of heaven or maybe the perfect life and in striving for that perfection, we really forget that life is probably 50-50 and we are here to experience all of those good and bad emotions. And the only reason how we would know that something is quote unquote bad is if we have the good and the other way around. So I love the I love what you're saying. And I also love the um, the argument of polarity and just how important it is to have both to truly have the fulfilling experience that we're here to experience. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. So incredible. And one of the things that you touched on briefly is this topic of authenticity. And I think that with social media, and of course, we have a lot of online presence for so many people. And sometimes we can really get lost. Where is this who is really, a, what, I mean, what is authenticity? How do we stay authentic in this digital world? And yeah, take us through your thought process on that. Well, to bridge, you know, absolutely. I think that social media can be, it can be the, the, the devil that we talk about all the time. It can be something that's truly hollow and we can make it whatever we want to make it. And I've, I used to view it from the lens of this just possessive, very malevolent dictator of our mind. But when that is, that is me going into a story of my lack of discipline in that area. And when I do operate with discipline, it becomes the tool and the enjoyment and the entertainment provided I'm the one in the driver's seat with my use of it. And so that way it's not in the driver's seat using me. And using our body's natural inclination to go, oh, dopamine. This is a dopamine button. Press, 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 press. Like a monkey that just, you know, we're just obedient monkeys that go, this thing makes me chemically feel good, even though after I'm done, I feel like I've gone through a drug withdrawal. So I think that it can be absolutely beautiful, provided we operate in the wonderful and magnificent and overlooked power that we have to go, all right, and that's enough now, which mm -hmm. is... It's not, it, all of the things are designed, even the algorithms are designed to go, oh, just one more, just one more hit, just one more second, just one more minute, just one more hour, just one more day, just one more afternoon. And I mm -hmm. think that it's a slippery slope by design, just because the design, our focus, our attention is the product. And they know that. And marketers know this and that continuous, the messaging behind marketing is literally to emphasize a, a thing that you're lacking, a thing that you don't have, a thing that you're not capable of, a thing that you're not you're missing and then immediately go, oh, but here's here's what's missing right here. And it's only $12.99 a month or it's only $9.99 or it's only $97. And then, you know, you continue to go through that cycle. So if we can have control, absolutely, this thing could be beautiful. However, it's every single aspect of it is designed for you not to have control. So I think that if we have that mentality, we can use it. But the caveat is so much of it plays on the weaknesses of our fear of being authentic, our fear of criticism, our fear of poverty, a fear of, fear of being left out or abandoned or lost or isolated or exiled. We're designed for connection. And this thing absolutely parades around as connection, as a false sense of we are all interconnected. Now, we are, 
to a certain extent, you and I wouldn't be having this conversation if some form of connection didn't, wasn't present in it. We wouldn't yeah. be connected now. And I feel that there's a lot of people that I've met strictly on the false connectivity that it creates. And then we've built authentic uh, connectivity. So again, it's, it's, are you using it for the beneficiary of yourself or is it using you for the beneficiary of the, the global market? So <clears throat> when we, when we think about what we want, who we are, what we do, what we desire in the world, what we desire to do, our impact, whatever it is that we are, our North Star, that yeah. end game goal, that finish line. Can we define it with clarity? And can we define it with clarity and certainty? To know that we know that we know that that's what we want and that's who we are. And more often than not, most of us can't. We can identify the things that we don't want. We can identify what we're not. We can identify what we stand against, what we don't believe in. But that is the, and of 8.4 billion people on this planet, the process of elimination there would be endless. It would keep us stalled. And that's where a lot of us feel that we are. We exist in a, a perpetual state of stalling. We're just getting, getting by, getting through another day, getting to tomorrow. And we can't really narrow down what it is that we want. So our daily lives are spent doing the busyness tasks, doing the procrastination tasks, stuck in some sense of I'm not ready, I'm not qualified, I'm not enough, I don't have enough information, when that's absolutely garbage, but that is the modality that exists within not knowing what you want. That is your default by not having that clarity. More often than not, fear of criticism and fear of poverty are a secondary product of not being able to answer what you want based on, people call it fear of missing out, fear of missing out on, you know, that vacation, that relationship. Oh my gosh, you know, I can't believe that they went to a wedding in Italy. I can't believe that she got the opportunity to do that. I can't believe they have a brand new puppy and they're already married. And oh my gosh, she's going to have a pregnancy announcement in, in two days. She already told me she's pregnant. She's taking these wonderful, perfect pictures. And I can't believe that she's able to wear those kind of clothes. I've always, you know, she looks wonderful in that. I'm going to buy one for me. And we just, we basically copy paste what we assume that person in the picture or the person on the boat or the person in that first class flight or whatever is experiencing. We assume it. We make a story about it. We completely manufacture a movie in our heads about what we think they experience on a day-to-day -day basis because they shared that photo. It we're gaslighting ourselves on what happiness is, on what fulfillment is, on what success is, on what beautiful is, based on this inundation of what it is presented as on social media. And so we're not actually fear of missing out because it's their target. It's their lives. It's their relationships. And what we're assuming they experience on a day-to-day -day basis. This whole thing is created in us, which is the key. That's the, that's the door. That's the key. That's the lock. That's everything. If I can assume so much of what they experience being on a, a boat in Greece with her new fiance or this powerful, successful man in a suit with his $40,000 watch or what, whatever I can ascribe to something that I feel I'm missing and something I'm assuming they experience that they're because they're not missing it, mm -hmm. I can surely then make that story about my own life 
my own wants, my own existence, and what I would experience on the other side of attaining those things as well. If I can make their movie, I can make mine. And so I think that more so than the fear of missing out, because it's somebody else's target, somebody else's desire, somebody else's goal, somebody else's life, I think FOMO really should be the fear of massive ownership mm. of what you want. That's because I know people that have unplugged from the scene, unplugged from social, unplugged from the channels that can Im inform them of what they want, what they think they want. They, they unplug from it and they find what they do want. They find that their target was way over here, way easier to attain and way more fulfilling than something that they participated in this like gaslighting movie process so authenticity we could go about it with the process of elimination and decide you know oh that's that's so me that's so me but we've we're now copying and taking on somebody else's personality somebody else's style somebody else's desire somebody else's relationship like that's so me and we we build these little false these false goals these false tasks these false targets to hit that are not so us oh that's so it's so exactly like me oh that's so my style if you want to know your style you want to know your desires you want to know your goals you can peel away all the other things that have been informed by other people or you can stop letting yourself be informed by everything now for for those of you that may that may look different that may look like completely isolating, insulating, do, but I think it's a lot, it could be a lot simpler than that. It's a self-inquiry process that we can go through every single day. What do I want? And spending that time with ourselves and allowing ourselves to speak, giving that space because we have all this chatter, we have all this noise and that noise is never going to go away. In fact, it's probably going to get even busier now that we have not only humans talking to it, but artificial intelligence talking to it and murmuring and echoing what humans are saying and just repurposing it. So we have, we're going to have more noise out there in the world. And if we can uninform ourselves of the voices of the world and get clear on what our voice says and give it enough space to do that, and I think a daily self-inquiry practice is exactly that way, we can find our target. And a lot of times we will find our target looks very little like it used to before going through that journey. Okay, so so I understand. Basically, defining your authenticity is the way that you recommend, and the way we recommend tuning into is, is through tuning into yourself. It's just by asking yourself questions and just spending that alone time and like really going into inquiring. Can you give a bit of a more of a practical steps of how to do this? Yeah. Would this be done through journaling, through breathing, through X amount of minutes? Just because we as humans we do like to quantify stuff over how to how yes. to method. So. Tell us the stuff that has worked for you, perhaps for your clients that we can that we can implement. Well, even more on the journey of authenticity, everybody's is going to look different. And so if yeah. if you naturally think in waves of write, written word, if you journaling can work so brilliantly with people, it frustrates me. I cannot. By the time I have the thought, my hand is not moving fast enough. Even the free writing, free writing without without stopping all that. It, it just does not work for me. But I know people that have found the most brilliant revelations in their own thought process through journaling. 
Mm -hmm. So that's how you work. Absolutely journal. I spent so long being untapped into my body and knowing that there were things and signals and signs that it would give me. My nervous system would go immediately awry when something wasn't right. I would feel it in my gut right away. It felt like my my guts were laid over an electric fence line. I, I told my chiropractor that when he when we were first doing nervous system work, I said, it feels when I'm not, when I'm in an anxious state, when I'm in a survival mode, it feels like I'm, my insides, my guts are being on a live wire. He was like, yeah, that's, that's the way it signals you. So my, I am a very somatic person. And so my tap in, tune in, self-inquiry process looks to me like a daily breathwork practice. And when I don't, I can feel it. I can feel that emotional cash stack up where I haven't cleared things. I haven't, I've, I'm adopting somebody else's um, mood. I'm adopting outside circumstances. I'm getting informed by the outer world and I, it starts to build and starts to cover that up. And that signal inside me gets really, it gets really, really loud. It goes, Hey, there's a whole bunch of stuff on top of me. I can't speak very clearly. So I'm going to get loud. And so self-inquiry can look like a daily breathwork practice. For others, it can look like meditation. Some people do have the calmness and the ability to stay still in their mind and observe. And sometimes it's observing it while it's running a thousand miles an hour yeah. and just being able to take that thought like a waterfall mm-hmm. and stepping behind it. I'm not in the thought anymore. I'm not having those thoughts. I'm not the one that's, I'm not the thoughts. I am the thinker. So when I separate just a little bit, instead of being underneath the waterfall of thought, I come back into the cave and now I'm watching it. And immediately when you make that shift in meditation where you're observing it, you're backed up from it. You have a little bit more space, which means it gets a little bit more quiet. Mm-hmm. And so when you can separate again and just you now you're observing it and you're going, how interesting. So when you're stop, when not judging your thoughts anymore, because I don't think I can't believe I thought that that you're still close. You're still just observing and because you're, you're observing to the point where you can judge. When, you're, when you back up a little bit more from that and you're no longer judging the thoughts because they're just computations. They're just information. It's raw, fed to you, on loop, on default. That's the programming. It's just a computer going, I think this, 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 this is information. This is an observation. This is a judgment. This is random wild ideas I pulled out from the ether. And we start going, what is wrong with me? All of the, these, these are wild. Then that means that must mean I'm wild. If we can back up and stop judging, we back up a little more and they quiet down a little more because we're no longer engaging. We're no longer involved or participating in the thought. And from there, you can back up and back up a little more. You stop judging anything. You stop making judgments about the thinker, about the thoughts. You go into no identity, no experience, no memory, no um, I, little micro identities that we give ourselves, like mother, Gemini, you know, born in June, yeah, whatever. What mm-hmm. all the things that we can corner ourselves off of, and we start, we stop judging the observer as well. We back up even more. So meditation mm-hmm. can be another powerful one. But I like to when I do journal, and if it's something that's more problematic, this can be a really, really practical step for people is all of the stuff that is bothering you, all of the, the, the tasks, the questions that you have unanswered, the things that kind of are just taking space in your mind. Do a brain dump, which does look like journaling, but it's not the free flow of thought. It's just unpaid bill, conversation with boyfriend that hasn't happened, um, email past due, 
on a work project stuck point, um, need to go get groceries, haven't worked out in three days, like anything that's bothering you, just write it all down. Do a brain dump of everything and take a whole legal pad, fill it until you cannot think of another single thing that could be bothering you. Mm-hmm. And then one by one, either give yourself an action point, an answer to the question, something that would absolutely solve it right there on the spot, respond to yourself, have a conversation. The conversation with your boyfriend, you already know, needs to be done. So schedule the time. Reach out to him. Say, hey, can we talk tonight? Boom. That question, you already have an action point. You have now solved that. You're going to have the conversation. This is not something that's taking emotional bandwidth from you. Um, So that brain dumps are really, really great. And then I want to say the last way to move into practical steps is that often when we wake up in the morning, we are not doing the things that almost obey the laws of what causes energetics, what causes happiness, emotional high frequencies. Mm-hmm. We are putting low frequency food, foods into our body. And then the biggest catalyst is we're not keeping our small promises to ourselves. The things that we say that we're going to do that day. We, we say, oh, yeah, I'd like to. I'd like to lose weight. I'd like to do. I want to eventually. You know, I'd love to read like 20 pages. I don't have time. I don't have. The... We actually have an abundance of all of those things. We have an abundance of excuses and the ability to do anything that we want. But we wake up and we have our default. And that's the default that ends up screwing us over. But we judge the default like there's something wrong with us, not understanding that all of us have that default. We want comfort. We don't want to wake up at a certain time and go do 42 tasks that day and really show up with full energy and take. We don't want to go to the gym. Nobody wakes up and goes, oh, I really want coaching today. We don't want those things. If we set ourselves up, I have it on my list right here. I have this post-it note of the things that, (laughs) the post-it note of all the things I know obey the law of when I feel my absolute best, what are the things I did that day? What are the things that I do every single day that set me up for that? And lo and behold, when I do one thing on that list, you know, it's, it's not the it's not the biggest wave, but it does cause me to feel like I have advocated for myself on some level. Yeah. When I do two and three things that day, I really feel like, okay, that was, you know, can I do 1% better? Of course. But I feel like I at least obeyed some laws to keep myself stabilized and homeostasis. If I do four or five, six, seven, eight or nine, I've got the whole list. I knew that the laws that create the happiest, most fulfilled version of me, I obeyed them. and. Every single time I feel low, feel low frequency, low energy, lethargic, in a bad mood, lost, anxious, depressed, whatever, half more than more than 99% of the time I did I did half or less of those things on the list or none. And well, there there are laws. What are your laws to be the highest, most authentic, most powerfully impactful, authentic version of yourself? Find those laws. What does that look like? And then do that, write them on a post-it, put it where you can see it and notice that compounding effect of building that habit, building that muscle of self-trust and a relationship with yourself and keeping your promises to yourself. That creates the confidence of knowing you're capable of even being your most authentic self. 
Yeah, and I think the self-trust is a big one as developing. I think so many of us don't trust our own selves for the simple reason that we say, oh, we're going to tomorrow, I'm going to go to the gym. And then we just don't really treat our words like law. And then we don't go. And it's just in the smallest bits. And like tomorrow, I'm going to eat salad. And then you wake up in the morning and then you're like, tomorrow, as you said, just one more day of this. And then we keep going. But in reality, what that tends to create is just, it ruins the relationship between ourselves and us. So next time we say that we're going to do something, Actually, the other part of us is like, well, you're not going to do it. Therefore, we're making these false promises that are so much easier to really make simply because we know that there is no that accountability. When actually, when you have that to yourself, it grow your own self-trust. And I also love that you have those little notes because I think what it does and kind of reminding yourself how you will feel after you do it. This is how I go to the gym. Like I, it's, as you said, like I don't necessarily wake up and go like have this incredible desire to do it. But I do, it definitely got better over the years. Now, the reason I think it did get better is because I'm like, well, if I were to ask my future self, the person who is me in an hour, what's she going to say? And then based on that answer, then you take the action. So I really, I really like those. I think they go very much in congruence, which is really interesting. 100%. And you mentioned the importance of being in our body. There's obviously a lot of stuff that's going on in our mind, but then actually how it gets processed through the body. So how do we make that connection and how do we regulate our nervous system and get to a place where our body feels safe to not be judged, criticized or afraid of failure, but rather create that safety for our body so we can go after whatever the dreams or the things that each individual person has for them? Yeah, there. And it's it's such a powerful it's a superpower, honestly, because then you it facilitates even more the foundation and the groundwork that you need to build the self-relationship. Because when we have that confidence and that self-trust to know that we have our own back, we actually do by default stop looking to others for our answers, for our to fill in the blanks, to to give us what we're missing. Because we not only know at that point nothing's missing, and if there is anything missing, I can fulfill it. I can handle it. Mm -hmm. Whatever that answer is, I will find my way to it. Because it's self-referencing at that point. I'm not looking outwardly Mm -hmm. at the world to provide me. Because nothing, the older I get, the more I realize nothing out there. I don't need anything out there. There's nothing out there that's ever. And I've, I've I've been lured by the shiny thing every once in a while. And then I realize, oh, God, yeah, there's really not. It's the same. So, okay, it's me. The the key is me. The lock is me. I am, I am always going to be the one that I'm going to find going. Yeah, (laughs) again. So in relationship to that, to create that safety, that is a you and you relationship forgery because our reliance on something outside of us by default will always fail. And that's not saying that people are not capable of having your back truly through thick and thin. I have so many people in my life that are so wonderful that are a 4 a.m. phone call. but. That's if all stars aligned and they can hear the phone call at 4 a.m. and they have the answer and they know what I need and that, you know, something, all of it's still ever shifting and temporary. Mm -hmm. If I can be my own 4 a.m. phone call, how powerfully magnetic is that to create that level of self-referencing forgery that I have my own back? So the body has all of your answers. It stores your direction. It is your guidance system. 
everything in it will indicate to you whether this is a frequency or a vibration. You know, we know there's so many times where we have a moment or an invitation, say in a new relationship where somebody kind of gives us maybe something that looks like an orange flag. Mm. I don't know. Those I don't knows, that's information. Mm -hmm. That's information. We get anxiety is information. Depression is information. A gut feeling is information. A rejection is information. All of it is still very, very powerful, but we don't, we often, we don't want to face it. We don't want to do anything with it. We don't want to integrate it into our journey. We want to like, oh, that didn't feel good. So I'm going to stuff it. We think we're stuffing it. Where are we stuffing it? We're storing it in our body. We're storing these signals. And every time we have the red flag or the intuition or something that tells us, eh, this is I, this is a no, our body is saying that fully. But are we adhering to it or are we ignoring it? And when we ignore it, we, we self-abandon. We have to go into a state of self-abandon. to In order to move forward in the face of a red flag, there has to be a part of you that you've chosen I need to lock you in the closet because you're going to tell me no, and I'm going. Mm -hmm. The more self-abandonment that occurs, we know that this this thing, this career isn't right for us. We know this move isn't right for us. We know that this, you know, it's this shaving off a little bit of who we are in order to fit into a friend group or in order to appease a family member or chase approval from a God knows what. Yeah, All of that requires small little pieces of ourselves to go away. Mm -hmm. And I just heard this, my, my friend, Matt Gottesman, he, if you could picture yourself like a 52 card deck and every single time we make those little negotiations, we give them one, we give them one of our cards. We hide it here. We hide it there. And pretty soon we have nothing. We're a shell of ourselves. And so the idea is to basically reclaim all of that because it's an internal process. We don't literally go give a piece of ourselves to a person that we were dating that wasn't right for us or a, a father figure that it can never be made happy or something. We don't g literally give ourselves to. So we can pull it back, but it requires that pro because it's all happening in the body, that storage and the, the emptying all occurs in our body on an energetic level. And so we can facilitate our own re-embodiment our own reconfiguration to wholeness yeah. and in that the most powerful and easy low-hanging fruit comprehensive tool that we can use is our breath controlled breathing moves things in and out of our body if we take a slow controlled breathing sometimes it's a box breath it could be hypno breath work it could be any type of somatic therapy moving it in holding it however long you fit and then breathing it out however long box breath is in for a count of four hold at the top for a count of four exhale for a count of four and hold at the bottom for a count of four you do that and you're sending a signal not just telling your body to go in a closet and calm down and chill out and shut up you're actually sending a signal direct to your nervous system that yes you're activated i acknowledge you're activated and you are safe to be activated and then from there, that safety that you create in yourself releases it. Yeah. You may have still some things to work out on the outside, whether it be, you know, you're in a relationship that's continuously causing you to self-abandon. But this at least regulates you. This gets you back into firm, firm footing that you are safe while activated, creating a sense of self-safety, if that makes sense. 
Yeah, I love that. And I know that you have a practice that you specifically work on that you offer every single week or every single day, is it? Would you tell us a little bit about us so those that want to join can do that? Yeah, it's a daily daily breathwork practice. It's It helps you wake up with energy. It helps you show up as your authentic self. It gives you an invitation using your breath to release things that are no longer working for you, no longer serving you. Anything that your body is going to organically surface as something that needs to be released. And you don't even have to know it up here with your mind. That's the beautiful thing about the body. It doesn't have to make sense. You don't have to understand it. You don't understand. You don't have to understand how or why or any of that. You allow your body to do what it's ancient. Your ancient design is absolutely wise beyond anything that we can comprehend to do for us. And so it breeds you into a state of who you are, how you want to show up, releasing anything that you need to clear, embodying something that you want to adopt going forward. And it, it's a daily self-inquiry practice that absolutely sets you up for success, energy, clarity, vitality, authenticity. I love that. So how can people connect to it? Is it something that, they, that you do online over Zoom or is it something that they do pre-downloaded? It is self-guided because everybody wakes up at a different time. So I don't want to create a barrier for anybody who has a different time zone. I want it to be accessible to everybody across the globe. So it's at carapayton.com slash daily. And it will give them the, um, the enter an email and it will give them that practice and get them access to that anytime they want. I would even keep it open on your browser so that way you can just, as soon as you wake up in the morning, you can hit play and get right into it, which is the most powerful. Once you wake up, you're not, you, you have that, Real quick gap where your consciousness is not pitched into all of our problems, all of our complaints, all of our defaults, all of our identities, all of our anything. And you have that little open space where you can absolutely impl implement and implant any type of positive thought or new intention into your day where it's completely blank canvas. I love that. I think those are the moments like just before you go to sleep and when you wake up. For me, those are such an important moments for meditation and for breath work, just because this is where it really, really plugs in at the most purest forms and allowing to go yeah. into that subconscious brain, which is amazing. super fertile ground. <laughs> yeah, very fertile ground. It's just actually as if rather than waking up and just rushing into your phone, I don't know, checking Instagram and email, which just just tends to create so much anxiety. And as you said, putting our body in this sense of like, this is unsafe from the moment I woke up, but actually making it, waking up in this way is just such a different way of doing it. I love it. And thanks for offering it. Yeah, absolutely. Brilliant. This was such a wonderful conversation. I know that listeners, they'll probably have to listen to it a couple more times just because of some things. I think this is the first time when I was left speechless and I'm like, tell me more. <laughs> Where is she going to go? I love it. I'm so glad to hear it was valuable. Yeah, it was incredible. And for those that we're going to link the, your links in the show notes as far as the breath work and how else can people work with you? How can they find you? I am very conscious about the social as we talked about. And so yes. I am not ever present. I'm not on Facebook or everything from Instagram is auto populated onto YouTube or TikTok or anything. But if you want to reach me, the person who's actually behind the phone, I'm on Instagram and that's just Kara Payton with an underscore at the end. Brilliant. And we're going to link that in the notes. And I want to once again, thank you so much for coming, sharing your wisdom, sharing your experience. And I do know that it will resonate with many because this is the topic that's becoming so much more 
spoken about. And I just think the safety of the body cannot be underestimated, both with the stuff that you do and also in my world of hormones and women's health. It's just, it's so, it's so massively linked. So thank you very much for your work. Yes, thanks so much for having me. I hope you enjoyed my chat with Kara. And if you found this episode helpful, don't forget to like, subscribe, and share it with other women who might benefit from it. And one last thing, if you are a woman who is experiencing symptoms of hormone imbalance, like weight loss resistance, fatigue, irregular periods, infertility, sleep problems, and you feel like whatever you've tried just simply doesn't seem to work, and maybe you're overwhelmed with how to navigate your health. In that case, I invite you to apply for my upcoming program, Hormonal Peace. It's a group coaching program that takes place over the course of 10 weeks, where I will guide you directly on how to get to the root cause of your hormone imbalances, how to heal them, and how to reconnect with your body and feel in complete control of your health. This isn't the program where you left to your own devices. This is actually where I will guide you individually through 10 weeks of mix of one-on-one and group coaching sessions to help you implement everything you learn. The doors are open, and if you want to be part of it, the link is in the show notes to join. Thank you very much, and until next time.